This is the podcast where you come alive to your own exclusive magic and find strategies to work that magic in the real world in a way that feels authentic and exciting and inspired and lucrative (laughs) and fun. I'm your coach, Bethany Shipley, and this is The Bethany Shipley Show. With Mother's Day coming up, I thought it would be fun for us to talk about five ways to level up as a mom. But before we get into that, I want to give a little bit of a caveat And the reason I'm giving this caveat is because I have noticed in my own life that there are times when certain holidays can evoke some sort of expectation. (laughs) Uh, Valentine's Day, Mother's Day. um, I don't know if Father's Day has the same feeling. Men seem to be kind of, uh, I don't know, exempt from this specific thing, but There is a situation that happens when we as women have feelings that we are maybe suppressing or we're not being acknowledged for, we're not acknowledging ourselves, when we're feeling unseen or undervalued or overworked, we can use these holidays as expectations. We can create create expectations around holidays that puts those feelings of unseenness, un- Uh, underpaid, overworked, under a microscope. And the holidays can actually feel like a magnified version of what we already feel. And I know this because I've done this. I had, (laughs) I have a, a few really funny Valentine's Day stories that until I figured this out in myself, I was just dreading Valentine's Day because I didn't want to go through one more day where I felt all of the feelings that I was actually feeling on a micro level every single day. Uh, (laughs) And then it like got even bigger and blown up and flying through the sky on a big hot air balloon on Valentine's day. And mother's day can be the same. Um, not even because of anyone specific, not even like malicious behavior or anything like that, but just different priorities. And my very first mother's day, nine years ago, I had miscarried our first pregnancy and I remember sitting in that church where we were, you know, at at the time attending and they said, would all the mothers raise their hand in the room because they were going to give out these roses. And my heart sunk because I wanted, first of all, I wanted so badly to be a mother. And secondly, I, I felt like I did the work of a mother through the last five months of a really painful experience of uh, being pregnant for three months, feeling wretched, and then miscarrying and having to go through the physical um, pain. And the physical side is something that a lot of people don't always talk about in miscarriage. Um, But it's pretty intense, especially like the farther along you are, the more it actually mimics labor And it can be as intense as, I mean, I can tell you now giving birth several times uh, to full, um, fully developed babies, it it can be very comparable pain. And it's not a pain with a hope on the other side. It's a pain with a 
complete despair on the other side of it. And not only that, but but it's an isolating pain because although you're in partnership, or in my experience, I was in partnership with my husband. He had no idea what I was going through. He he also processed his emotions very differently than me. So, you know, while I was inside, like watching little baby animals bawling my eyes out, my husband was out processing with headphones, mowing the lawn. And so we were kind of isolated in our own little snow globes while we were processing this grief. And so I, that's one side of Mother's Day that can be extremely, um, I don't know what's the word, triggering for people is loss. If loss is present in their life and especially in that area, it can just feel so, so intense. Um, the other thing is that there are, um, you know, when I was a kid, my, I'm going to actually, it's not the other thing. It's kind of in the same vein, but it's actually not about me. When I was, uh, I don't know, probably 16, 15, 16, my, our whole life was in a very weird place. We had five kids. So my family, my parents had five kids. My brother was 18. I was 16. My younger brother was 14. My younger brother was 12. And then my little sister was 10. So we were all kind of crammed into this really awkward phase. And on top of that, my mom was bedridden with an illness that was compounded by another illness. She had Lyme disease and then it was also compounded by um, having Hashimoto's. And it got really intense there for several years. She was bedridden. And my dad was working a few different jobs, but not able to really make ends meet. It was really tight financially. And there was also some, you know, drama going on with his, one of his uh, employers. And so they were trying to decide if they were going to move and what was going to happen. It was just kind of a chaotic season. And my mom, instead of choosing resentment that day, um, and I feel extremely emotional talking about this now, imagining her as a mom, truly thinking this could be her last Mother's Day, decided to, because this was when it got really intense, um, she was um, not recognized as a mom that day. We were so wrapped up in our own worlds that we didn't, you know, buy her flowers or anything like that. But she thought, you know, this was going to be her last Mother's Day. And she called each child into her room one by one to basically express to us how much we meant to her and how thankful she was that we were her kids. And um, it was around that same time that my dad took us out to um, you know, eat at a barbecue place, all the five kids and basically level with us and say like, she cannot live like this. She is under, she's losing weight rapidly. She's under a hundred pounds. She is unable to walk to the bathroom. You know, he was carrying her. And so we kind of were in this place of, I think, kind of just so afraid and you know, um, bracing ourselves for what might be ahead. And my, my grandparents were coming to visit and you know it was kind of just this unspoken weird scary time and by the way now my mom is thriving and she is just amazing and feeling so good and her health has just taken such a turn for the better and that is um 
largely due to some of the greatest inner work she's ever had to do, partnered with some of the best products and and technologies and therapies on the market today for Lyme disease. Um, But man, it was just, it was just an intense time. And I remember thinking when I am a mom, I want to take Mother's Day in that tone. I don't want to choose resentment because she could have totally, you know, eye rolled herself and I rolled and said, man, nobody appreciates me. Nobody's bringing me flowers. No one's taking care of me. And instead she brought us in and told us one by one what she appreciated about us. And I remember I thinking to myself distinctly, that is the position I want to take on Mother's Day, full of gratitude, full of just the thankfulness of getting to be a mother. And that's how I feel. Um, now, sometimes I have to get myself there, you know, if Mother's Day rolls around and I'm like, okay, time to, you know, sometimes it doesn't feel like, oh, I'm wildly celebrated. Um, But listen, that is not what this is about. I'm not telling you five ways to level up as a mom so that you can get some sort of like somebody will applause you or you'll do good enough to finally earn something. That's not what this is about. Um, because I don't think, I, I bet, I bet that you, if you even clicked on this episode, five ways to level up as a mom, you have a desire to like be a, you know, loving, present, caring mother. Um, you are already doing an amazing job. And, and I know it probably doesn't feel like you can get that in your spirit. You can't really get that because I'm not looking in your eyes, but just pretend for a second that I am. I am so proud of you. And I'm proud of me too. Like, this is not easy. This is intense. And actually, most of the time, I feel like I wonder why I was even gifted with these beautiful humans because I feel so inadequate to bring to them what I imagine they deserve. And some of those, that brings me to point number one, uh, number one way to level up as a mom is to fully embrace your gifts and stop comparing them to another person's gifts. This is extremely honest. I'm, we're, I'm, I'm crossing my legs. You can't see me. I've got my coffee in my arms or in my hands, (laughs) in my arms, that would be funny. This is extremely honest. I am so different from my mom that I have thought many times, it makes total sense why she has five kids, but I don't understand why I have four kids (laughs) because she's so nurturing and she's so patient and she's so long suffering for us. And she, she gave so much of her soul to us as kids and sacrificed so much of who she was that I have thought I I'm so unwilling to do that um that I've thought man that makes me feel almost like I am not a good mom and this is what I want to tell you your gifts are exclusive to you that applies in motherhood as well your gifts of whatever it is that lights you up, you are able to bring that into motherhood. And it is the asset that your children need in this life in order to feel everything they are supposed to feel. That is my true, honest gut belief. I believe that this is all intentional. I believe that our souls exist somewhere else other than inside this body, simultaneous to in this body. And when we die and we leave this body and our spirit goes to return to 
the either the next phase or the other place, I believe that what we understand at a deeper and more high, like a more, a higher level of what's going on. And I don't believe this is random. I believe the children that I have, and I can't even say their names without just feeling so much emotion in my throat. Um, I believe Moses, Lennon, Mac, and Avalon needed me as a mother because I have a way of believing in them in a way that no other mother could. And that's my gift. And that's the gift that I bring to the table when I am giving them breakfast. Yeah, you know what? I might not be the best cook. I might not make the best whatever food. I might not have the cutest house. But listen, I will scream cheer for their their victory, both on a personal development level and also on their whatever it is that life takes them and their desires. I understand them at a level that sees their gifts. And that's what I can bring into motherhood. So can we stop comparing our gifts to another mother's gifts and step, gosh, I want to say this without like weeping. Can we stop comparing ourselves to another mother and just instead fully embody who we are and bring that into motherhood with passion and power? And listen, if that means we don't read a bedtime story every night, or if that means we don't always remember to pack a snack, or if that means that we don't always choose to volunteer at the school or if it is if it is that we always choose to volunteer at the school or we always choose to pack a snack or we always whatever can we just embrace it and say this is me living my life in my gifting and I get to share that with the people around me and my children happen to be a part of that that's what this podcast is and that's why I wanted to start that with you know that number one number one way to level up as a mom stop comparing yourself to another mother. Stop comparing your gifts to another mother's gifts and just instead fully embrace your own and bring that into motherhood. Because how you do anything in life is how you do everything in life. I, I, I think there are so many ways to listen to that quote and you can twist it. But in this particular context, how who you are anywhere is who you are everywhere. And that is so powerful. Number two, let them be the hero in their story. I'm about to tell you something that might ruffle some feathers and it might not. You might align. You might think yes. And if it does ruffle your feathers, I'm going to ask you to come to this conversation or this this episode with a an open mind and hear me out on this. I believe this passionately and also take it with a grain of salt because my kids are eight, six, four, and two. And to be honest with you, I have no idea what I'm doing. This is all intuition <laughs> and reading and listening. But I but I feel strongly about this. Let them be the hero in their story. That means empowering them instead of disabling them. When we as parents bend over backwards to provide everything for our children, we are disabling our children to understand the hunger of what it actually takes to get what they want in this world, to enjoy their life. I'm going to give this example and I'm really praising my parents. I'm I'm not praising, I'm thanking my parents for this. And I think it's funny, you know, there are many times in podcasts or in speaking or whatever that I share all the sorts of things that I, you know, (laughs) not in a degrading way towards my parents, but they're very sweet and honest and open and they 
they have a lot of regrets and how they parent. But I just want to say thank you to my parents in this specific way. They did not enable me. My mom being sick and my dad being extremely busy with work and, you know, finances tight, that forced me into a position of getting my own ride to basketball practice, calling my friends, calling everyone in the team to see who could pick me up because I didn't have a ride. And if I wanted to get to practice, I had to figure out a way. If I forgot my water bottle, that was on me. If I wanted money, I got a job. There was so, and of course they were supportive. They were present. They, they, they provided so much for us, but in a sense of a lot of things, we were responsible from a very young age for our own experience. They paid us well for the work we did that was in the family business and our money was our money and how we spent it was up to us. And if we wanted to do something that was, you know, buy a new I don't even think, I don't know what I wanted to spend my money on. I mostly spent it on clothes, I think. But if we wanted an experience like going to the movie theater, we did not go to my parents and say, hey, can I have 20 bucks to go to the movie? That was never something that they expected uh, or that they they provided. And well, I don't want to say never. It's not in my memory that they provided that. And I'm so thankful that they did because when I was one day from turning 15, you better believe I marched my way into Culver's And practice putting myself out there in a way that now looking back was like the best thing for me to have to do. Introduce myself. They gave us the skills to actually make moves in our life instead of just giving the stuff. So the skills are my dad would drill us on how to properly answer the phone and answer it in a way of professionalism. And this is so funny, but I'm not going to actually tell you the name, but my dad worked at a church and... (laughs) I got to go work with him sometimes and I would get to answer the phone of the church and the full, the full name of, um, thank you for calling, blah, 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 blah. My name is Bethany. How can I help you today? Drilling those kinds of things. We had like these practice sessions of how to shake someone's hand and look that, look at them in the eye and how to speak to people with, with, um, clarity and And when we went to little things, you guys, like going to a restaurant, we would order our own food. That is so powerful. Now looking back, it is the biggest thing that I have to say thank you to my parents for. I don't come to life expecting other people to um, provide. Well, I mean, here's the thing. We are all, (laughs) we are all working together. We are all in this together. Yes. But I will tell you the gumption that I have in my life and the discipline that I have, I can see a clear difference. And some of that, I think I was just born with some of that was built because of my parents, um, just really giving us the torch of here. This is your life and your experiences and your responsibilities. And uh, you know, this, comes into play at such a young age. My daughter has a little girl in her class who she, she, she is just, I don't know what's going on with them. I don't know what's going on with her, but every day Lennon comes home and talks about this one specific kid and just rude things that she says and mean things. And, you know, I tried to, I tried to, you know, play the, well, what more could this mean game with Lennon? Like, well, what do you think is going on for her at home? And what do you think life's like? And why would someone be caused to behave like that? Well, I went and volunteered at the school because I really wanted to know what was going on. And I had interactions with this child and I kind of went, I just, I just, I'm sorry. I shouldn't be laughing. I thought, 
I couldn't do it. Like, I literally couldn't do it. I couldn't sit in that class with that kid um, because of how, how mean she is, you know? And I'm laughing, not, I mean, my, I have a lot of empathy for her and I feel for her. Uh, but I said, Lennon, this is your curriculum. You know, I said, you can pray that she's not in your class next year, but this is your curriculum. You are learning to work with this child um, it, because you are going to have situations in your life instead of texting her teacher and saying, hey, can we get her into a different um, spot or can we get her into a different class or whatever? I recognize that this is an opportunity for Lennon to level up in her own life. And I'm proud of her. She is, you know, I made a joke that was, um, you know, what, what could we do to fix the situation? I made a joke that was, you know, totally a joke and it wasn't, it wasn't a nice thing. You know, it was just like a little prank. And I, of course I was joking. I was just trying to get Lennon to stop crying, which I shouldn't have made the joke. Absolutely. I regret it. And I apologized to Lennon. Because as soon as I said the joke, she said, no, I don't want to do that. I, I don't want to be mean back. And I'm like, dang, girl, you are calling me to another level. I was like, of course, like, of course, we're not going to, you know, do anything. That was, you know, me, me pretending to talk to her and make sure that doesn't happen again. That's not, that's not empowering. That's not saying to Lennon the message that I want Lennon to have in her life, which is you have got this. You have what it takes to live your life. You don't need me, baby. You don't need me. Now, listen, I'm here for you. I will be your buddy. I will stand by you. I will cheer for you. I will walk for you. But listen, you are the hero in your own story. And I am the sidecar here. I am the person on, I'm the coach on the bench screaming, happy, excited when you win. I'm crying when you lose. I am that energy, but this is your life and you're the hero. We have to let our children have their journey and we have to realize that we can't create them and we cannot stop them. And this is another thing that I want to talk about because I know a lot of people are extremely opinionated about this. Again, if you hear this and you're like, this ruffles my feathers, consider it before you let it just to make you just shut off this. I, I just consider it. Come to this with, with an open mind. I believe we should be our, our children's friends as well as their parents. And I think there's a way to be both. That is a friend is someone who shows up for you in your darkest hour. A friend is someone who shows up when life is hard. A friend is someone who calls you out in your, in your self-deceit when you're in spiraling around a topic or a situation. A friend is the person to say, hey, that's not who you are. I believe we can be our children's friend. And I gained so much from the friendship of my children because what a friendship is, it's a mutual respect that says, I respect you as a human, as a soul, as a being, and you respect me. And we are both team Lennon. We are both team Moses. We are both team Mac. We are both team Avalon. And we are also both team Bethany. I want my children to want me to win. I want them to be proud of me when I succeed, when I hit milestones, when I show up and I'm feeling like myself, I want them to be proud of me too. That's a friendship. This power struggle that I see um, certain generations kind of take more than others of, I will tell you what to do, what to wear, where to be. It, it really, to me, it's, it is a breeding ground for hiding things and it's dishonesty. And I would rather have a relationship with my child that feels 
and I, I, you know, I say all of this with a tempered spirit in fully acknowledging that my children are young. And I also remain the right to change my mind at any time. This is a snapshot into Bethany at 30 years old. And I may listen to this in 20 years and shake my head and have a different opinion. And I, I just, I, I acknowledge that and I embrace it. But right now I feel so passionately about this. When we come to the relationship saying, I am your coach. I am your, I am the person that I get to guide you only if they choose me. That relationship is earned. That is not a power struggle. That is not authority. I have seen that done and it only works to the level of observation that the, the, the level of, how am I trying to say this? It only works to the level in which the parent observes they are trusted. If it's not a true trust, it's not real. It's, it, the, the, uh, the coach energy doesn't exist if the trust isn't there. And the trust is built by mutual respect and also by skill acquisition and showing up in our own life in a way that the child truly admires. That is, I mean, I'm just, I'm like, that is it right there. Okay. Number three, our embarrassment is our problem. I'm just going to say that again. (laughs) Our embarrassment or insert any other feeling or emotion that we have around our children and how they are perceived in the world, is our problem. This is so big. And I I wish I had to learn this way earlier because when Moses was a little baby, first child, we I would take him to like the park or I would take him to somewhere to play because I was so concerned that he wasn't getting enough socialization. And he was so afraid of other people. He would stick his hand out. <laughs> Those of you who knew him at this time, you're laughing. He, eh, he would go, eh. and he would stick his hand out. Like, I don't want to talk to you. I don't want to be with you. And they would get close to his space. He would feel threatened and he wanted to have the whole playground to himself. And I just wanted to bury my head in the sand as if I was an ostrich. Like I was so embarrassed of his behavior And I thought it was a him problem. And so I would say, don't, you know, I would, uh, and that's just one example. Of course, it's my job to coach him, right? And teach him like people are mostly safe and it's a good idea to trust people. I think that leads to a better life. But um, even if sometimes you do get hit by a kid, like most of the time you won't and it's still a good idea. And there was one specific Christmas. This was probably the, (laughs) the lowest low of our entire family. Um... Eli was just recently, at this time, it was Christmas of 2017. So Lennon would have been a year and a half old. Moses would have been three and a half. And he was just in a struggle state. The, the night before was Christmas Eve and we had celebrated Christmas Eve with my family. And so he had eaten a bunch of junk and he was like already low on sleep. Like, of course, he was up way too late and up way too early the next morning. So we went over to my in-law's house and... He was just being a total brat. Like, he was crying. He was just being a kid that didn't have his physical needs met. And we let him have more treats. And, you know, like, it's Christmas, so we got to let him, you know, we're just going to let him do his thing. And Eli was feeling terrible. He was just about to be diagnosed with pericarditis, but we didn't know what was going on. And uh, Lennon was still such a baby. She was crying. And I remember Moses just having the worst attitude and... Um, I had someone specific in, in my family, in his, Eli's family 
uh, one of the relatives was, uh, like eye rolling and, um, you know, just basically having the same energy that I for sure had before I had kids was like, if my child ever acted like that, then we would do something about it. And I remember watch, I was like in basketball, you know, you got 10 and two, you, you, you're looking at the person that you're guarding and then you're looking at the person with the ball. If you're on defense, 10 and two, you keep them at 10 o'clock and two o'clock in your vision. So you got them. I was 10 and twoing right there. I was like 10 o'clock. We've got this kid. And then two o'clock, we've got this person who's judging and, um, you know, observing and making judgments about it, which is totally fine, by the way. Very fine. I have no resentment. I did in that moment feel like rushing out of the house and just getting, I was so angry. Um, and I realized I tried to, I tried to make sure Moses behaved differently. I was like, this is so unacceptable. I'm so embarrassed. I do not want him to act like this. I'm just mortified. My, I did not realize in that moment that my embarrassment was my problem. It was not his problem. He's having his own experience over there. Sure. I might want to coach him and I might want to help him behave differently or not have those red 40 treats or whatever it was that caused such an uproar in his little brain. But it ultimately, that was a separate issue than my embarrassment. And my embarrassment is my problem. And it shows up even now, when I have a child who is way too old to be behaving that way, or when I have a child who is, you know, he hits somebody at preschool and I have to go in and sign the paper and, you know, do the whole, like, this is mortifying, you know, <laughs> because I was ultimately hoping that their behavior would reflect me as a great parent. So it really came from an insecurity about the way that I was not actually parenting and, I have decided like that is absolutely not the way I want to be a parent because what it does is it tells the child that they are responsible for their mother's experience. If I am giving those messages that they're responsible for their experience, what a heavy feeling that is for a kid. Not only that, but it creates a lack of respect because the parent does not have autonomy in their own life. So when I separate how my child behaves from my personal reflection, then I can go, okay, this embarrassment is my problem. This feeling that I'm having is my issue. And their behavior is a completely separate issue. Doing that has been extremely helpful. So leveling up, a third way to level up is realize that they, our embarrassment is our problem. My embarrassment is my problem. Their experience is their responsibility and I get to be the coach. Number four, in five ways to level up as a mom. Number four, have goals. Have goals as a mom. I, uh, a few years ago, Eli and I had this conversation where I was basically expressing like, it's so much easier in business because there's like, these are my goals and these are the numbers that I'm trying to hit. And these are what I'm looking for. And these are the metrics. And in parenthood, there isn't that. And he said, like in his brilliant way, his brilliant yet so simple way, We'll make some. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. So I started making goals for my kids. Number one, I want my kids to wake up and think of something other than watching on a screen. So that's a goal that I have. Or maybe it's, you know, something like my goal is that they, this is the ultimate goal for my children. I, I, my goal is that they are kind and respectful humans to other people. Like in their life, I tell them all the time, I don't care if you get A's. I don't care if you get B's. I don't care if you get C's. Like, I'm proud of you. If you're, if you're, you know, doing your best and you're 
I don't want to say doing your best because I think even that is so relative. But if you're working to, you know, really be intentional about your life and if, if grades are important to you and you're pouring into that, great. If you're, you know, the best on the soccer team and you get a hat trick or whatever, I, I'm so proud of you. That's awesome. But please be a, please be a kind human. Please notice the kid who doesn't get asked to play. Please go sit with them. Please include them. Please stand up for them when the rest of the group is snickering. And um, having goals for, so, so back to having goals. Having goals for your kids creates this almost energy of coach energy. Like, and I know I keep bringing this up because this is so in line with where I'm at. It really creates a place of, we're not just in maintenance mode here, but we're in play mode here. We are in game mode. We are in having fun on this planet mode. Having goals does that. All right. Number five, this is probably the biggest one. I don't know if it's the biggest one. That's, that's a big statement. Let's choose to live for them instead of die for them. Number five is let's choose to live for them instead of die for them. We are responsible for our self and living our best life only benefits them. And there are a lot of moms out there who think the opposite. And I'm one of them too, y'all. Some of these days I get it, I get in my, I get in my head about it and I'm like, man, I prioritized this and, you know, maybe this fell to the wayside. But instead of dying for our kids and just bending over backwards and having hollow eyes and letting our bodies, um, be just fully consumed with stress. And, um, for me, stress shows up as weight, being weighty and heavy. Let's like live for them. Let's say you, my child are so worth love that I'm going to invest in myself so that I can give that love to you. I plan to, give myself everything that myself needs so that I can show up on that sideline, on that bench for you, scream cheering, happy, proud of you. Because if I don't do that, I will not be around for you. Not just dead. I'm not talking about just dead, like not going to be around. Obviously, I believe our days are numbered and we're all going to leave our bodies at some point. I'm talking about in those moments on the sideline, actually fully alive. And I think it's a scale. It's not, there's always going to be things that we can do to level up and, you know, always going to be things to do that we can make ourselves, um, as my friend Laura says, faster, smarter, stronger, better, you know, but, um, but instead of dying for our kids and like never doing anything for ourselves, let's pop in some headphones and listen to a podcast that's invigorating. Let's take an afternoon that we don't have anything scheduled and take a bath and listen to some music. Let's paint our nails if that's what it is you know if that's what it is for us let's do a moisturizing routine on our face let's grab a cute jean jacket to throw over an outfit that now instead of just walking our kids into school in pajamas we have a jean jacket over it (laughs) I'm looking at myself right now let's do those things because when we show up fully and we live for ourselves, we ultimately live for them Instead of dying for them, we die to ourselves. I hope this has been helpful. Listen, if you loved this podcast, um, 
go to the little minute section that you did and screen record and then post it to your stories and tag me. I might have some fun gifts for people who do this. Um, you might be hearing from me asking for your address. So do that. Thank you for listening. Happy Mother's Day. I love you. I appreciate you. I thank you. Um, I, I appreciate you. I said that twice, but it's just because it's true. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to The Bethany Shipley Show. I hope you feel more inspired. I hope you feel more excited, more clear on what your magic is because you are made of magic. And so all you have to do to make the magic happen is put yourself out there. So get on out there and do your best now, you hear? (laughs) 